This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Hornswoden. Over the last couple of weeks, we've made some exciting new changes to our mead range, and in particular, our Yorkshire mead. So what we've done is we've completely rebranded, relabeled, and we've also added a couple of new flavours. Now, before I tell you about the new flavours, I want to tell you a little bit about the mead production, because this stuff is really something special. It's made at a micro-media just on the outskirts of York, and it's run by a fellow called Pete Allenson, and this guy does everything himself. He keeps the bees, he sustainably harvests the honey from his own bees, he then ferments the honey to make the mead, he bottles the mead, he labels the mead, he sends it out to us, I mean this guy does everything and, and mead is what he does and that's part of why I think this stuff is so amazing because it has such a short journey from production to bottling to end user um, and I think it really is a special product. So we have our three traditional ones that you might have seen on the website before which are mead of Serenos our mead of Brigid and our mead of Morrigan. The Morrigan is an elderberry, the Serenos is a heather honey, and the mead of Brigid is a traditional. Now on top of that, what we've done is we've added a spice mead, which is Surtur's mead. We have Loki's Curse, which is a pineapple and coconut mead. And then we also have Tia's Sacrifice, which is a whiskey and cherry mead. And I mean, that stuff is absolutely beautiful. All these meads are available in 75 cl bottles and a 25 cl bottle, so you can sort of pick your size. On the website, we also pair it in a gift set where you get 25 sale balls and a small drinking horn. Perfect for gifting or a little treat for yourself even. Even if you don't like mead, just it's worth going and looking at this stuff just for the artwork and for the bottles. Saxon Storyteller has done the artwork and I mean, he's absolutely nailed it with these. The, the labels look beautiful and I'm really proud of it. I'm sure you can tell. So just pop over to the website, hornsofodin.com. You get 10% off for listening to the show with the discount code HORNS10. So you just pop that in at checkout so you're going to get 10% off your order, Horns 10, and honestly, just try this stuff out. It really is, I think, the best meat available. Right, let's jump into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Ahoy, hoy. Changing up my uh, intro here. Um, this <laughs> time we're joined by Shell Broughton and uh, Gustav Holbeck, uh, some of the OGs in the uh, so-called Viking music scene. Uh, very much welcome to the podcast, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and to anybody who's listening, we are, you know, recording from like four different locations. Uh, Gustav is in his car and <laughs> Shell is having a bit of a, <laughs> some, some connection issues and so on. I'm sitting on campus at CU Boulder. Uh, so, so that's my situation. Just came from class to, <laughs> to, 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 to be here for the podcast. And Dan is, you know, as, as usual in his studio. <laughs> Well, you call it a studio. It's it's a room. It's a room. <laughs> That's the best it's getting. But but no, if 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 you can bear with us with this one, it's kind of we've had to move the podcast, we've had to move the time, but we still managed to get it together. So you know, if the if the sound quality or people drop out or it, it buffers, I guess, then please just bear with us on it. But this should be a, a really interesting one. Shan will also edit the episode together after, and hopefully not make us sound like Smurfs because before we started, I admitted that I'd never listened to a, a single episode of this back. So we pay him and he might not even do a job. He might just put them out there and do nothing. I don't know. I mean, I have been listening to, to some of our, um, our, our podcasts. So I do know how we sound. And, and... That, that shows your ego. <laughs> Doesn't that... Oh, I hate the sound of my own voice. So, no, it's actually, it's, I would say that Shan is doing a great job making making my ridiculous setup um, work on a podcast. Like right now, for instance, I have a back, uh, like behind my microphone, I have like a stack of T-shirts uh, to, to make sure that it don't get a lot of like noise bouncing around. Why um, do you have so many T-shirts in your office? That's what I want to know. 
<laughs> Are you just a, a really sweaty professor and you have to swap in between? <laughs> no, no, actually, that's the backstory to that. This, this is for the Nordic Club, for the like, CU uh, Boulder has a Nordic Club. And we, we bought a bunch of T-shirts once, you know, events and stuff like that. So we still have a bunch lying around. <laughs> that's really why. <laughs> I mean, I mean. I was going to ask Shell and Gustav, do you ever get used to your own voices? I guess you've used to record really. yourself. No. Yeah, a lot. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, yeah, like, like you, I, I usually don't, uh, don't listen to, to uh, like radio shows and stuff I've been on. Even, even TV series I've been on, I've not seen it. <laughs> Uh, I hate that shit. <laughs> yeah, this. I mean, I sound wonderful in my own ears, and when I sing, I sound really great in my own ears. But for some reason, it just doesn't seem to come out the way I hear it. Well, I mean, according to some of our listeners, I sound like a really fat dude. <laughs> so, <I guess. laughs> that is that is true. Yeah, <laughs> you just sound fat. Don't know where that came from. So. So, Matthias, you said earlier um, that Chell and Shell and Gustav, some of the original kind of OGs, as Matthias put it, of the uh, the Viking music scene, I guess. Um, and that's because you guys were out hitting drums and throat singing long a long time before this was really popular. So, where did it start? Who wants who wants to go first? It was actually um, before the Millennium um, celebrations. It was coming in late 99, and um, a friend of mine, she wanted to make a party celebrating all 2,000 years. And she needed a Viking band to have a concert. And she asked me, and I was like, Viking band? What the fuck is that? <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what Viking music is. And then, but I said, yes, okay, I can, I can, I can make something. Uh, that's going to be okay. And uh, at that time, I was hanging around with Chen. So I asked him and uh, his friend uh, Jung Gunnar and um, and uh, also Maria Franz, who now is in Heilung. So I asked these people to join me to make a Viking concert. Yeah, it ended up being a crazy night. Yeah, it was a very crazy night. It was it was a night of, of too much mead. The range, those people arranging that party, they made, I, I don't know many, how many liters, it was maybe 100 liters of mead. Enough. <laughs> oh wow! So, so how 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 did all of this like? Uh, where did you find the, the early inspirations? And like, you okay? So somebody asked you, "Hey, can you create a Viking band for this event?" And then you go, "Sure, let me just conjure some Vikings." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, no. It was um, I know that uh, Maria had some uh, experience from the Viking reenactment scene already. So she had a few songs she could sing, and um, we also, I, I've always studied the runes since childhood, so we use those as a text base for, for creating stuff. And uh, we, we just mishmashed everything together, although on that concert, we must say we had the didgeridoo, we had the djembes as drums, you know, it was, it was so far from what you can see of, of Viking stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> really, we really had no clue what we were doing back then. No, 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 we had no clue, <laughs> no clue. But the thing is, just, just a few days after the party, we got started to get bookings for, for festivals, Viking festivals. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so that same year, we went on, went on tour a whole fucking summer. <laughs> the Avos band uh, only lasted for like three years, but we did so many concerts on, on different markets and uh, and Sami festivals and all sorts of things. That's cool. So it, it, I mean, I guess if there's nothing else like that around and you guys pop up doing, I mean, like you say, it might not be what we know as Viking music today, but you're doing something, I guess. Everyone looks and goes, well, fucking hell, we can book those for our show. Yeah. And imagine, I mean, uh, some crazy dudes banging drums, throat singing with Maria's voice on top of that. I mean, it was awesome. Absolutely. It, it sounds pretty cool, man. Oh, we, we, we had a blast, that's for sure. Uh, where did you get the, I guess, the, I can taste of the inspiration for the, did the throat singing the drums, was that just an obvious choice 
to kind of go down that route? Or were you, were you already doing that? Because um, I know Jonas said that you guys were doing that a lot at Viking markets. Yeah, it's uh, for, for me, it's, it started, and, and you also joined in with that, Gustav. Me and, and Gunnar was doing a lot of kind of world music-inspired stuff, doing like didgeridoos and a bit of throat singing and this kind of things uh, already before this. But we had no clue that there even existed a Viking scene around. So... So I guess when, when Gustav and Maria came around with, with the idea of doing this as a Viking thing, that just, yeah, it was just perfect, the perfect spot to be. And um, we really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it was a, back then it was a lot of partying and, you know, hanging around the campfires, banging drums and, and screaming until the early morning, you know. <laughs> and then just go from the party and stand in line for breakfast. <laughs> I remember those uh, those days quite well. <laughs> My own time at Viking markets. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it was was a lot of fun. We did uh, uh, we recorded one demo and, and two albums actually, and uh, one of them is actually still available. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> You can get it through my Bandcamp, actually. But uh, but there we uh, go. Oh, that's what I'm going to go and listen to after this. We'll, we'll yeah. throw a link in there and in, uh, in the um, show notes. Absolutely. To make sure that uh, people go buy it. Yeah, Chilbroten Bandcamp. Uh, but we lasted for uh, like until 2003 or something, and then we kind of split up. And uh, but we still got bookings. So uh, so I kind of since I got the bookings, I created another project called uh, Skvalder. Um, and I invited my, my brother Benny from, from Folkeborta for Nura Vinn and a couple of others into that project. And after a while, both Christian <laughs> and Maria came back into the project. And, you know, I, I mean, do you remember, Gustav, the, the, the jam we had with uh, with uh, Skvalder and uh, Virelai and uh, and uh, everyone up at Sabdakrokur in Iceland. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> there were 17 people uh, improvising. Oh, with wow. And throat singing and, you know, the full band band of us with, with uh, Valdravn and, and uh, that was insane, really. Uh, probably one of the maddest uh, jams we uh, had in those days, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember the wind this was Iceland, north of Iceland, and it was outside. And I remember the wind. It was so cold. So cold. <laughs> well, the only way to keep warm was to keep playing. Oh, there <laughs> you go. And this was so funny because, I mean, this was northern Iceland and all the Vikings came from, from all around the world, you know, dressing up with layers and layers of wool and furs and everything. And we were freezing our back bottoms off. <laughs> and then the doors opened for, for the school children in T-shirts and shorts coming in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So was most of it all improvised or did you get some solid songs written and, and, and based around that? It was Im improvisation. Every now and then, my Maria threw in a, a medieval ballad or so. But but uh, like Eva's, Eva's had songs and arranged songs, or we had themes there that we improvised around. Right. See, this is this is interesting. You know, thinking about the the uh, the early times, this style of music, right? Because what I remember with VLI that you were mentioning before is that they would have sort of like a repertoire of medieval ballads that they would sing at the markets, right? And then they, they came up with Valraun to be sort of more experimental and also, you know, put in some electronica and all that stuff. But like the early stuff was very much like people just doing those ballads that, that you know, everybody knew. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But they were really good at it. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we were kind of like the opposite side, but it was a lot of fun. We, we met up a few times, like on Iceland, and we had some amazing jam sessions with those guys. Yeah, <laughs> because they we were like we were the hippies banging drums, throat singing, and doing our thing, but while they were proper musicians. <laughs> 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 but they were also they were also very strict about being historically correct, right? Like that was that was like their thing when they sh showed up at Marcus. Like we're a historical band, and you know, so so that's that's also like 
I think that really shows the two different like ways of thinking about this that you get in Scandinavia. You get the, the, the creative thinking and then you get the ones who are like, well, we will be, we will reproduce these songs that we know and that's it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the reasons why people were hating Skralder that much in the old days, really. It's too much of it. <laughs> the market picked us because then you, when we came around, there was a party going because we were banging drums, screaming, yelling. We invited people in the whole market to join in with drums being part of the... the but the problem was we never were. stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're sort of the in extremo of, uh, of the North, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then we, we because people were starting, it, it started to get quite quite rough, actually. I mean, I remember we were at, at, at the Burre market in Norway, which is the biggest market in Norway. And uh, actually, one of the arrangers of the market ended up in a in a fist fight with one of the attendances because they were booking <laughs> us. <laughs> wow. So so they go in a fist fight for booking you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you were really kind of causing a divide, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Some people absolutely loved it, the rest hated it. <laughs> well it seems enough people must have Loved it because if you look at kind of the explosion of what's happened around this music in recent years, then enough you know enough people must have have liked it. Yeah, definitely. So, but but we, there were so many kind of like those. You remember the Maglite Gustav? Oh yeah, I remember Maglite. Yeah. <laughs> that was five minutes and before countdown. <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah. That that market, we had a specific time when we should stop playing. <laughs> you know, very very specific time I just i think it was just one minute before just before we stopped this one guy comes up he, and knocks me in the head with a mag light and asks me when are you gonna stop playing <laughs> let me add a little detail to that Gustav, because I, I saw it i saw it happening and it, it's i mean it's like a cartoon i mean me and my brother benny we which is pretty tall you know and Gustav is not exactly as tall as us. No, and, no, half the size. <laughs> yeah, and, and me and my brother were standing on each side, and Gustav was standing in the middle, and these two guys came up with this giant maglite, you know, and they looked at us, and they went straight to Gustav and kicked him <laughs> his head with it. So they chose their battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Gustav, could you... Just move your microphone away from the zip on your hood. Oh shit! That's it just, what yeah, it just kept oh. rubbing. Um, oh shit! I think, I think just... it should be all right now. Perfect. So, I mean, did you guys ever think that what you were doing back then would end up as big as it is now? Can no, I... not no, at all. no, no. We, we we were thinking, okay, we 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 might make a living from this, but uh, but. Uh, Seeing how it is today with the huge concerts and how Vardruna and Heilung has uh, taken taken the world, no, it's uh, it was unimaginable. <laughs> mm. well, that must be that must be insane to know that you guys were kind of, if not the beginning, at least took part in founding kind of what we what we see with those huge bands today. That must be a, a weird thing to look at. Ah, it is. It is. Yeah. Definitely. We were definitely not the start of this, but we were probably the start of what's going on, much of what's going on today. Yeah. But uh, if you like, I could uh, give you a little lecture about where it all started. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because uh, in Norway, music archaeology in itself is, is actually quite new. Uh, before before 19 early 1970s, they didn't even register findings of instruments in Norway. So there was a guy called Radar Sevog who, who wrote a, a book back in 1973, which is the first ever list of music instruments findings in Norway, which is pretty late actually compared to the rest of the world. And he inspired a, a band called Folk, which, which uh, uh, started up back in 72 or something, lasted for many years, doing a lot of albums and so. Um, they did something like 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 the, the Fair Court Convention kind of thing, with Nor but with Norwegian folk songs. 
And then, then two people came around. First, it was Swedish lady Kaisa Lund, and then also the Norwegian uh, master of these things, uh, Jermen Coltwright, started working with music archaeology as 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 what it is in Norway for the first time ever, really, uh, back in the like late seventies, early eighties. Uh, and and uh, then uh, a guy called Sverre Jensen came around, which started. He started making replicas of, of, of uh, medieval and, and Viking Age musical instruments back in the 70s. And he started a band called uh, Kalenda Maya, which I would really, really recommend to, to everybody. Um, that started, I think it, it was back in the 70s, they started uh, making, making recordings with these instruments of, of medieval ballads. And later in the 80s, they come back with the, with the, a similar project with the same people, at least some of them called the Avrura Borealis, which is also absolutely amazing. But what, but the start of what we did, I think, has to be an, a Norwegian band called Ymstammen, which started up back in, in 83, for actually, doing, doing uh, music uh, inspired by, by, by uh, Nordic Stone Age in the first place. Um, and they, they, you remember, they at least in 95 or something, they were around Gustav. Oh, oh, before, I think it was 93, 4, something like that. Yeah, because it's, yeah. because it started up already in 83, they, they had their first performances. So that was a long time. But then also, like in, in 87, the, 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 the Swedish band, the Hedningarna came around, which probably many of you people have heard about. So they were pretty pretty early up, uh, and, and uh, back in 1990, also the band Görmarna came around, which is also an absolutely awesome band. And uh, and here in Norway, back in 99, the the band Gote came around, starting to make like more like hard rock versions of medieval ballads and, and such. So so there was a, a long road before we guys came around, but the, the, that. Crazy tribal drum banging, throat singing. Uh, that was us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was us. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's something that's very synonymous with this type of music, though, is the the throat singing and the drums. I think that arguably the first thing a lot of people would go to if you said, "Well, how you describe quote unquote Viking music?" I think they would go to the throat singing and the drums. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so 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 here here's the here, here's the tricky question. So how do we how do we justify the throat singing and, <laughs> and all that stuff like, as Vikings? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, how, how, okay. Mu how much time do you have? <laughs> well, we got a couple of hours. <laughs> well, uh, I need this a lot because what I've been doing the last like like. 10, 15 years or so is to to I've been traveling markets to giving lectures about this uh, this topic, which is what I've been been making a living from for a while, for a while, uh, and I get this question a lot. And I think for us it just started with that it sounded totally crazy and and people loved it. Sounded it sounded then, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but then we got we actually got a. a quite hard uh, criticism from from a Danish band called called Gni. Which today are are my friends. Uh, I really like those guys, but they were really con confronting Maria with this actually at the Viking market back back uh, in. Yeah, I don't remember when that could could have been, but then they sent us a link, and and that was my first the first time I heard about the, the Arabs who were talking about Viking Age, because the Al, Al Tutuchi, the guy who went to Schleswig, he he writes something about that. They were making a gurgling sound from their throats, uh, sounding like wild dogs or something. And, and I think pretty much that's it. We don't have any more, you know, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have any more proof that they did throat singing. I mean, that's the thing with a lot of these cultural elements when it comes to the Viking Age. Our source material is so limited. We have one source that says something, right? And then we can choose to believe it or we can choose to dismiss it, right? Yeah. And personally, I'm, I'm usually on the side of like, well, it, it's more interesting to, to, to work with it as we believe it than <laughs> to just dismiss it, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Because we also know that, that the Sami 
have a sort of, of throat singing thing going. Uh, it's not the same as throat singing, but if you go to, to, to like Inuits, they do throat sing and, and they've been doing that for, for ages and ages. Um, and uh, and if, you, if you ask people who's really into studying the origin of languages, some of those people also state that throat singing would probably be a state of language that was even before spoken language came to human beings. So I, I, I don't know if that would be enough to, to, to justify using throat singing in Viking Age music, though, but, but at least there's something there. I mean, going going back to sort of like the methodology of all of this, uh, of the like knowing about the Viking Age in general, we base plenty of assumptions about the Viking Age on much less source evidence. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so I, I I don't think it's there's any reason to be that contentious about it that some people otherwise are. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no. There's also a lot of discussion going on about it. If, if you go to my YouTube channel, there's a, a video with, with a Skvalder band when we were performing at, at Gullfoss in Iceland. Uh, quite popular video. And if you go to, to the comments, <laughs> there's so much going on. It's hilarious, actually. And there's even like, like Turkey people uh, you know, really aggressively attacking us for stealing their culture <laughs> and such. It's, it's a lot of amusement. I mean, you, you should you, really YouTube comments are the worst of all the comment sections. This this is why I disengage most of my YouTube oh, videos. They, <laughs> they're, they're, they're the, they really are the worst. I mean, you get them on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else like that, but for some reason, there's something about YouTube comments that brings the worst it's out. Because you can be anonymous, man. Like on Facebook, it's like usually your name yeah. and all that stuff, right? But on YouTube, you can just be some some rando stuff. It's yeah. It. <laughs> Do you know about the band Eldrim? Yeah, that sounds familiar. You, you should check them out. They're absolutely amazing. You're doing like Viking-inspired music um, on the homemade Viking-inspired instruments. Brilliant band. Um, but uh, Espen, one of the guys in the band, he made a video where he's playing this really big toggleharpe he made years back. And he wears a, a silver cross while playing it. You should see the comment section. And he made it into, a, into a, you know, it's so funny. He made it into a, a thing on Facebook. So he's, he's always replying with hilarious replies. <laughs> and then he screenshots it and he posts it in, his, in, a, in a photo set on Facebook. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> oh, that video to took totally off. Totally, yeah. totally. And it's basically mostly because of this cross. Because people can't handle stuff like that. Playing yes. uh, what they call a pagan instrument uh, with a cross. Oh, no, that just doesn't work for people. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 he, and he really replies with his really, really, really dry comments like, yeah, but I, you know, I made this instrument and I didn't know it, it had a religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is, we spoke about it a couple of times on the podcast, that seems to be a really touchy subject for like, I guess for like modern day heathens or pagans, the, the idea of Christianity is just a, a real hot spot it just it just sets them off and if you if you even mention the idea of vikings or people in the viking age converting to uh, christianity they get real upset they do not like that idea at all it's, no. it's, it's kind of interesting right because that, that's really what people were doing in the viking age constantly yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely a, a sore subject that i like to poke every now and then yeah it's, it's very funny and, and Eldrim also made an absolutely beautiful video by the way for a single day release last year I think yeah I think something like that yeah but they're actually the whole theme of the song is this so, so the video starts off with this heathen and his wife is sick so he takes his boat and he leaves and he uh, experiences all these kind of things and it ends when he, he throws his Thor's hammer into the sea uh, oh. <laughs> well, i'm sure you upset some people with that <laughs> yeah it was uh it was called to which means faith this song and it, as far as i understood it, it was like yeah both both christianity and all these all these gods and everything i just just shit they're gonna die anyway 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the video is absolutely beautiful, and the song also. I really recommend to, to, to check it out. We will. Ah, it's a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. So the music that you guys were, I guess, that you were creating then, and what we would consider, or a lot of people consider, like Viking music now. How do you think that compares to what would have been used in the Viking age? Do you think you're anywhere near, or do you think it's compl- no, miles? Absolutely up? not. not- <laughs> Not even close, I think. No, no, that the, the very little we know about music back in the Viking Age is pretty much what instruments they had. And we know a little bit of things that was written down by people later or, or people with another belief because they didn't write it down. So, so, so some of it might have been written down already in Viking Age. We don't really know, but it was written down by by people educated in music from from the the European Church, which which also had a, a totally different uh, tonal system. Because in the early days of, of, of Christian music, they they were using the Pythagoras tonal system, which is absolutely misunderstood version of, of the of the natural tone scale. So in our ears, it would sound absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> because because what he did he really missed it because if if you're into music you know that one octave is uh, an exact doubling of, of the frequency or or the the waves in the air but but his system missed so it's almost almost a tone difference so the further up you know the larger the the the, the difference between the tones the worse it sounds so <laughs> that sounds like how I hear myself in my head, and then how, it, how it comes out for everyone else. A bit like that, a bit like that, right? That's why you get the cembalo, right? So the, you have the, those tonal sounds that are so close to one another. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's really difficult. There, there is a couple of findings that suggests very, very clearly some some kind of, of melodies that may have been in use in, in Viking Age. There's three. Uh, especially three songs that was was found in a manuscript that dates actually to to the 1600s. But as far as I know, I haven't read it myself. But as far as I know, it is referring to to uh, to older manuscripts. And there's and we have uh, we have the Codex Unicus as well that has that little little jingle that was used by the Danish public radio. Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah, that's from the 1300s, so it's a little earlier than 1600. Yeah, that's but... and we know the exact date when that one was written down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the interesting part about the other ones is that that uh, there's melodies for three different uh, of the uh, uh, three different of, of the old uh, poems from from Viking Age, and and the melodies are almost exactly the same with us tiny differences which actually suggest because it's totally uh, possible to sing this these poems with those melodies and the difference you can see them clearly when you try to sing the, the lyrics because it just it adapts to the verses so what it does it suggests that you, because writing those poems was you know that was crazy there was so much rules that you had to or at least as we see them today to follow, to write them in, in how to do the rhythm, how to do the, the layers of meaning in different layer lines in the verse, and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it suggests that it's some kind of a, a memorized melody to, to remember how to, to make the verse going, which makes a lot of sense. Um, the Codex Runicus, on the other hand, was, uh, was uh, you probably know this, but uh, it was actually written down uh, in the first Danish law book that was written um if, if you if you which was written down in in Skåne in sweden um and the reason why we know this is that if you read the, the original script for that law in in the in the sideline of, of the the cheat you can see the, the the guy writing it because he was probably not a part of the discussion so he was bored and he's written down the first verse of this song with notes which is pretty <laughs> cool that is pretty cool, yeah. It's, it's like it's this, you know, this it's the Scanian law. There's a bit of like a description of the Swedish-Danish border, uh, and then there's like a regal list, and then there's a little ditty. <laughs> it's like it totally <laughs> <Yeah>. got bored. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's so cool. 
probably went to a party the, the, the evening before and heard this beautiful song. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For somebody who's completely music illiterate like me, how how do you know that something written in the 1300s is a song? Is it written with is it written with music or yeah is it just... he did he, he did write the notes with it like like the note sheet oh, okay so is that is that the same kind of notes that we have today that you would i guess see when someone reads a piano and they have the little exactly thing, <laughs> little symbols i yes. guess it, i it really looks, do this is not yeah. my wheelhouse it looks a little bit different but yes it's it's uh, exactly the same really wow i was not expecting that answer yeah that's really cool. And it goes the it goes something like d d d d d d d or something like that. d d d d d d d. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That that that's kind of blew my mind that they were around back then. Yeah. But I mean then again if you find you know we have note sheets with with different kind of, with a different system though but from from the from the um, Mideast, I mean, we have noted dating thousands of year ba- years back, which is pretty interesting. Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned we, we know what instruments they have or had. What, what were they compared to what we use today? If you look at what we were, were using in, in the, the, the modern kind of Vikingish music, it's, it's pretty similar. They had, you know, lyres. They had the. They may have had tagelharpe, like 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 the violin thingies people are using. Though even though we don't have any proof of them before the 1200s, really, there are some some traces that uh, or or some written sources that may be older, but but we don't really know. So they had probably had some sort of stroked instruments at least. I mean, we must assume that it, that they had drums as well. We have never really found any archaeological material really <laughs> saying that they had drums. So I had this discussion so many out, times. Right. Some people are like, oh, that means they didn't have drums. Or, yeah, it's the only corner on the planet that didn't have drums. <laughs> it's rather ridiculous. No, we didn't find any drums from Viking Age. But there's, you know, have you seen the Stone Age drum from Germany? Right. I mean, there are Bronze Age drums that was found in Denmark as well. Like, so, you know. Exactly. <laughs> And the Samis were using drums. I mean, it's it's uh, it's stupid to assume that they didn't have them. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's Viking Age had a ban on drums. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like this: if 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 they didn't have drums, it must have been because it was forbidden. And if it was forbidden, we most likely would find sources on that. But we haven't found anything about that. <laughs> no, what we do have is some some early paintings uh, from. From churches in Europe, like also in Sweden, there's a, a few of those paintings dating from like 1200s, I think, where you can find like one of the really, really nice one in, in from from I think eastern Sweden, close to Stockholm somewhere. There's a, a, a painting which is a square, and the the upper half is people uh, sleeping in on clouds in the sky with an angel playing the harp. And the lower half is drunk people drinking from horns with a troll with a drum span around his neck playing it. <laughs> I know which one I'd rather be at. Yeah. <laughs> so that's rather political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess anything can be a drum as well. We've all, we were all children. We've all tapped on stuff and made beats, or at least I've tried to. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Matthias, you you studied the cider you told me uh, earlier today. You you have uh, you know stuff about that, and they use the stick, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and and the, the there is like that one reference in um, Loki Senna, uh, where where Loki is uh, is accusing Odin of witchcraft, and he says that he, I mean, the translation is possibly that he he banged on a drum on some side of all places. So like this random Danish island, <laughs> which is now known for its potatoes. Um, so <laughs> so, so, so that, that, uh, the, the, the phrasing is and that uh, seems to mean banging on a drum. So that's a reference to, to it at least. We can assume, I guess, that that, that was you know, closely related to, to witchcraft and, and magic in general, maybe pre-Christian rituals as such. Yeah. So the Psalmist did it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we know that. <laughs> and and but there are, there also may be another source for this. And uh, uh, me and my my ex were looking for this because if you read the the, the, the writings from from uh, from Novgorod uh, in Viking Age, written uh, written by um, uh, oh, I never remember names. The Arab. Um, uh, he wrote about a, a grave ritual. Oh, Ibn Fadlan. Yeah. Ibn Fadlan, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote about this. And in this script, uh, there's a lot of translations of this, but all translations we have today is translations from translations from translations and so on. And this is a handwritten manuscript in old Arab, you know. Uh, but there's a tiny little detail that is, has been overseen with this, which is that he states that in modern translations, we say that there's a stringed instrument carried out with the dead. Uh, what he was writing was either tandur, which would be a string instrument, or tambur, which would be a drum. And there's only one letter, which is very, very similar, that differs these things. So, so we were actually looking for a, a, a facsimile of the original script. Unfortunately, we lost contact because some damn people were starting to tear down the, the museums down there. So we never got it. But, uh, but the, there may also be another, another source for a drum. There is a, there is a manuscript, I think it's in Turkey, uh, of, of that. It was found in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there might be like the national archives in Turkey might have it. I don't know where it, it, it is, but um, yeah, Vibeke was really looking for this because she's actually studied old Arab, so she could read it if you found it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. this is actually highly needed. So I am working with that source uh, in context of uh, of discussing whether or not Vikings tattoo, because that's another issue. And and there's only really one source uh, or, or one one authority on on the, uh, uh, the the translations of these manuscripts. His name is Montgomery, and he's from the '80s. So there's not really a lot of people who have been working on like the the actual linguistic side of the manuscript since him. So we we need that. <laughs> Any of the listeners out there, you want to do a baller study in Viking Age stuff. Go go study Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we, we just need a big database to put everything in so it's accessible easily. We have a few of those. <laughs> well, I don't know. If things get get destroyed or you can't access them, that sounds a little bit disappointing, I guess. You know, there must be so much stuff that's just been lost over time from ridiculous mindless acts of violence where stuff just gets burned or destroyed for, for no real reason yeah humans have a, a a real history on burning things oh we do we do we're good at that i mean you could, you've got to keep yourself warm as well i guess <laughs> yeah but, but i, I don't true. think uh, the summit drum will keep you warm for long no, no, no. There, there was that thing, yeah. <laughs> well, the Icelanders were also eating their, their manuscripts at times, so. <laughs> I mean, I need some more context to... Okay, well, so so famines, right? I mean, there, there have been some serious, you know, famine situations in Iceland, sometimes because of volcanic eruptions, sometimes simply just because of hard weather and, and all that stuff. And so, you know, this book over here is made of leather, um you can sort of boil that and make it feel like you're eating something um not an ideal situation no that can't be good (laughs) i i need to be very very hungry before i start eating my drums i'm gonna say that i am sure those icelanders who were doing that they were very very (laughs) very very hungry I guess that's why they also eat this rotten shark stuff. So yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, dude, that's because it's delicious. <laughs> like, no, don't go there. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> I was raised in I was raised in Greenland. I I've eaten a lot of funky stuff over the years. You, so. you must know. Oh, the, yeah. You must know this, Gustav. What they served us at Furikran is not what they eat at home. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. 
I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> this brings me actually to my theory about those kinds of foods that are just like weird. Like you go to some place in the world, they're like, here, here, eat this larva or, or, or here's a bunch of toasted insects or something like that or rotten shark for that matter. I'm sure they just came up with that stuff to fuck with tourists. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be brilliant. Right? Here, this is what we eat. You go away now. <laughs> yeah. yeah get exactly. rid of, just get rid of people. I mean, you have to just eat what's available to you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you make use of your food. resources, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you I mean, I, 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 we have theorized about like the process of figuring out how to eat that that. The, the Greenlandic shark that they do in Iceland, right? Because you have to bury it for several months and you have to hang it for several months. It's like, you know, there's got to have been people who have died throughout that process, right? Because if you just eat it fresh, you're going to die from poisoning. And then, you know, you have to like, you know, refine the process and this poor, these poor guys, they, they must have, you know, <laughs> this guy, they may try it all the time. Like, here's Sven, eat this. <laughs> yeah. I've, often, I've often wondered that about a lot of different foods. Like, different foods are poisonous raw, but then you cook them and they're okay. It's like, who, somebody died first. And then they've gone, okay, well, now we're going to try cook it. And then someone has to eat it and maybe die, maybe they don't. It's like the trial and error process and a lot of things that we do today must be. I'd love to just know a little bit more about it. Yeah. And you know what? Also, we should celebrate those people. They they died for the good of humanity, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did. I mean, yeah. I'm not celebrating the man who died for the stinky. Uh, <laughs> like, now you're just being obtuse, mean, man. Imagine a better use to a stupid neighbor, you know, invite him into a, a good meal and, you know, get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is a good way to just. I mean, I'm glad that we don't have to do that now. Imagine going to the shop and you're like, you should go to I don't know the supermarket and buy some. You think, well, maybe it'll kill you, but you'll teach the guy, the next guy, that he has to cook it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm glad that that's not a thing anymore, for the most part, anyway. So, uh, Gustav, yeah. Jonas, Jonas, um, so Jonas Lorenzen was the guy who put you two onto us and uh, sorted this, kind of organized this show, I think. Uh, now, he told me that you are working on some psychedelic type music, which just pricked my ears up. And I uh, I definitely wanted to hear more about this. Oh, yeah. So I started a new project called Astral Side, which is the same word as the side we've been talking about. And uh, it's a kind of a mix of uh, all the stuff I've been doing all along, uh, like improvisation, throat singing, and uh, banging drums. But I, I, I build that on top of, of uh, electronics, like uh, Psytrance and uh, other psychedelic styles. So it's, um, it's an absolute mix. <laughs> of uh, of uh, of styles and stuff, um, I haven't heard anything like it. So, <laughs> so what I'd like to call it is it's um, psychedelic fusion or uh, or a psychedelic ethno. So it's it's kind of um, a very very modern take of uh, modern Viking music. <laughs> it's taking it a step further. Bring it into into uh, yeah the future. I say. <laughs> Bringing it to the beaches of Goa. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> what what you're doing there is absolutely amazing, Yusuf. I really really like the project. Ah, uh, thanks for that. You should you should like it because you you recently played in the first debut concert with me. So <laughs> yeah, look at me, look at me. <laughs> In in ten years, you never know. You might have just branched off a new genre of Viking music. Yeah, right. That's what I'm hoping here to to make something uh, completely different and see we'll see where that leads us. Yeah, you definitely made the the, the guys at the short little Midgash Blood last week dance. The oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know now. I know how to get metal people to dance. You know? Oh, Usually they're oh nice. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. They, they were dancing. All you have they, to do is, is add some trance beats into it, and they go off like anyone else. 
<laughs> well, this is actually this is a lesson we can um, uh, take from this guy. What, what was his face? Uh, Mortis, uh, black metal musician that that turned into a troll, and uh, and then started making some kind of like you know fusion techno dance. It's like you know you, when. When heavy metal people start, you know, experimenting, they go straight to synth pop. Apparently, yeah, so, yeah. so there you are. <laughs> there you go. So, um, the obvious question for me is: Is there any psychedelics in the taken in the production of the music? Because I think that you don't have to answer that if you don't I want. Answer that. You know that. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good answer. That's a perfect answer for me. <laughs> It's a fascinating subject to me because I think that surely people will have taken psychedelics in the Viking Age. They will have been a thing and must have inspired so many different different things. Um, and I'd love to know more about that avenue. I don't really know if anybody specializes in psychedelics of the Viking Age. Yeah, well, we don't have much material for that. I, I guess the Christians uh, made a good job removing all the information on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, most likely because they, they probably saw it as a threat to authority. Mm -hmm. Because we know that most people who take psychedelics, they, they, use, they tend to dislike authorities or people telling them what to believe, do, think, and uh, stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I got to admit that I, I have some of the saga writers. I, I very much suspect that they were like licking the walls of their, you know, cow stables or something like that to, to get some kind of kick some of the stuff they put in the stories is like just far out <laughs> right right yeah yeah and if you find some of that in most cultures if you if you look so yeah yeah it has it has to have been a thing surely um so yeah i think it, it, it i'm looking forward to listening to the music and seeing uh seeing what's come of it yeah, cool. I just uh, on now on Monday I released a new album. That's the third one. Oh, nice. So is that this Monday gone? So it's already released on next it's Monday. It's already released. So oh. yeah, you're gonna have to let oh, us know where we can find it. Yeah, you can find it everywhere: Spotify, Bandcamp. Okay, cool. is it just under just under your name? Astral side. Astral side. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> for, for people like me, we're going to have to spell that and put it in the uh, show notes. Or you can find us on, on, on Facebook or whatever and just uh, watch the latest things we've been posting, both of us. And you'll you're find the links to Astral side. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. that's for sure. Yeah, we will. We will that. So before we, and before we wrap this one up, Shell, uh, I, I remember seeing on your uh, I did a little research before as I, I tried to do and you spent some time in is it North Africa or Africa as a whole looking at links between music and I think that's certainly got to be a fascinating thing to do yeah yeah I did uh, that was quite early and and there's not many traces if, if you go into to medieval times there's there's more traces coming from Africa really uh, but there are some similarities if you look at, at the layers that we were using here back back in the Viking Age. You can find similar instruments there, uh, and if you look like like most of the layers went, you know, in in the eleven hundreds, they just ceased to exist in in all part of the world, except for uh, some some parts of Norway where they kept making them. M many of of you have probably seen the Kravik layer, which both me and Einar are, are is using a lot. Which was actually made in the 1600, pretty pretty accurately, uh, much later than everybody else used it. And, and but you can also find similar instruments in in Africa. Uh, but to me, the last few years, because that was like 20 years ago, and the later years, I'm much more interested in going to to the east, to the Caucasus area, to to China, to 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 the the empires going on. Uh, that did go on around like Istanbul to, to the Mideast because most of the instruments the Viking had, they got from there. They, they went there and they found this instrument and they brought, brought them back home. Um, and and uh, to me also that makes another thing which I find quite interesting because they didn't go there and find this instrument and brought them home and, they, and left the music behind. 
they brought some of those that kind of music back with them because you hear, heard someone making this absolutely beautiful music with this beautiful instrument. You tried to recreate some of this. And if you look at, at folk, like, like traditional folk music in Norway, if you go into the deep valleys, because Norway, we have all these fjords and valleys and mountains. It's really, really difficult to travel. And it, uh, until recent times, I mean, you were quite isolated and in all these areas. And if you go to the to the traditional songs in many of these areas, they are using the quite similar tonal systems as they do in Arab music, which is much more advanced than what we have in in our. I mean, we have twelve tones; it's nothing compared. So, so that's really much more interesting to me to to, to today to see the similarities there. And uh, if you, if you see my my first music video from from my latest album Ferd, which is the whole theme of, of the album is about the journeys where they went, like Vestarveg, which means the road to the west, Östavin, which is is the wind from the east, and and uh, with this this um, this song, I'm using the lyres, and and uh, in the video, I'm I'm standing down at a Viking farm in in uh, in southern Norway, and we're cross cross clipping over to the Hagia Sophia uh, in, in in Istanbul, which is. Also really interesting. I mean, three places in, in that mosque, you find rune inscriptions. Some of them are not dating all the way back to Viking age, though. But but it's really interesting. And we know so know quite much about Vikings being there, even working for the sultans in, in Istanbul. And uh, and obviously, I mean, this would would uh, affect the music back here also when they when they brought these instruments and these new influences back. And that's really interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think this this kind of influence has been going on since uh, yeah, birth of mankind, so to speak. It's uh, when you if you see the like the fables, the stories of animals. I I did a study on those for a long time because because I'm also a storyteller, so stories are very important to me. And then I started to to check out these uh, fables to see where they came from. And firstly, we have uh, fables here in Norway, and then I can see that, okay, they, we got them from the Arabs. Then I realized, oh, the Arabs, they got them from India, from the Panchatantra, which is their, their very old uh, scriptures. And then after much research, when I was in India, I found a thesis which explained that we can actually date, we can actually put a name on the first person that told these stories, and that's the Buddha. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the first one we know told these stories, and they have traveled all the way from India through the Arab to the Arabs and all the way to Europe, and are presented as as Norwegian stories for us in Norway. Of course, the animals are switched out. You know, it's not a lion, but it's uh, maybe a fox or a wolf. Uh, so, so there are changes in in both animals and also a tiny bit of morals and and what's happening has been changed. But that's natural because it's travel. This is not traveling by by email <laughs> going very fast. <laughs> it's going by culture, mm -hmm. you know, slowly, slowly, and it's going from 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 mouth to ear, from mouth to ear, from mouth to ear. So the change is gradual, and I think this is this is the same way that music used to travel in the old days. I think not just music either. I think everything will have traveled, traveled like that. And, and that's, again, why this whole, the, especially like you see this, the kind of birth of the, the modern white supremacist people around this culture. And that's why it makes it even more bonkers that it's very kind of, oh, this is only white culture when things have every everything that's ever existed has probably come from some somewhere else or been learned somewhere else and it's all passed and traveled and it's and you can only as far as you go back so far and you'll find it's come from somewhere else and they got it from someone else and they got it from somebody else and it's it's just a big mix of all different cultures so the idea of you know this is mine this is just our like white culture no one else no one else can do this it's just even more bonkers to me. It's a good example of this. A good example is uh, um, the Little Red Riding Hood, right? Um, which the uh, the brothers Grimm they they were like, this is very much a barbarian 
uh, folktale. That one is about 6,000 years old and has like, you know, there are, there are versions of it in China, in India, in, in Africa, like all over the place. Oh, yeah, the, the thing is, culture is, is, is not static. It has never been static and it never, will never be, you know? It's, it's a constant change. Yeah, it changes all the time. I think things, things are different now than when I was a kid. You know, in the last 20 years, things are certainly not acceptable now that were very much acceptable 20 years ago. And it's, like you say, it's an ever-changing, ever-evolving thing. Um, so it just, it's, it's bizarre to me that people get so kind of uptight about it and very much like want to put things in boxes when, you know, we've all, learned, it's a it's a boring world if you don't accept that we borrow things or, in some cases, I guess, steal things from other places. Because people need to get off Facebook and go out and into the nature instead and uh, talk to a goddamn tree instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we beg you, though, Dave. That's a good idea. Don't listen to him. Just because he's deleted Facebook now, he thinks he's all high and mighty. And <laughs> tell everyone else to get off Facebook. Hey, I still haven't, I still haven't deleted it, but oh. uh, I will, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. It'll make it difficult. It makes my life difficult if you delete Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think the fact that so many people are in a position where they can complain about such menial things as, as stuff like that, it just shows how comfortable a lot of the I mean a lot of the, the world is at the minute, or certainly kind of the the first world countries. There's a certain amount of comfortability to be able to complain about a lot of the things you see people complain about because if you were going through some real struggles you wouldn't be on Facebook complaining about where something came from or what somebody else was doing what somebody else was wearing who somebody else was kissing or, or whatever else you know if you had real struggles that's not the first thing on your mind so it shows kind of at least where we are as a society for a lot of at least the, the, the well-off countries I guess mm. so yeah that I guess on that rant we can we can wrap this one up yeah. I fixed the world. That's it. <laughs> fixed the world. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was this was a lot of fun. Uh we I think we we held together we held together for the most part with the uh the signal issues. No one dropped out, no one disappeared. Um yeah. it sounded it all sounded fairly clear for me. So I think uh we managed, we got there. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us. This, this talk about uh, Viking markets and everything has made me miss Norway. I'm so much looking forward to next time I can <laughs> come join all of you guys at Midgasflot. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So do I. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully next year. Uh, hopefully, next hopefully. Year, everything uh, will really. be good yeah. to go. Um, be a total blast. It's, oh, it, it will. <laughs> yeah. So, Gustav, have you got anything you want to plug, shout out your where people can find your music, find what you're doing, learn more about you? Yeah, just uh, look for uh, Astral Side, and uh, then I'm happy. Let's take a listen to that and uh, tell me what you think. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I'm definitely going to be blasting that in my office when we're done here. <laughs> uh, cool, <Brilliant>. cool, cool. <laughs> For sure. And and Shell, what about you? Where can people find you, listen to your music or your talks? Search up Shell Broughton, my name, and you'll find me on any streaming uh, platform on YouTube, Facebook, uh, wherever. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you if you click the follow button, I will uh, post more about this, but uh, I will. It's not that official yet, but I am releasing two new albums within uh, the next few months oh nice so awesome. uh, a, a live ep coming up this autumn and a, a full album coming up uh, early next year and as you guys know i'm also been working a lot with the new nebala album which will be out early next year <laughs> no i i'm excited for that Jonas has let me listen to a little bit of that i love i love the direction he's gone with, with a lot of the music ah oh, the guy is mad <laughs> I love it. I love Absolutely. it. I, I've, I mean, I'm the one who's been supplying him with crazy lyrics. So. <laughs> oh, that's you. 
Yes, that is me. That's it. Okay, I know who to blame then. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So almost all of us are on that album because Gustav and Runahild is also on it. So yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just me. I feel left out now. Oh, no. <laughs> he doesn't want me on there. Believe me. <laughs> uh, Matthias, where can people find you? Except Facebook, I guess. Yeah. So you can always find me on Instagram. Just. Put in my name, Matthias Nordvig, and you'll you'll find some some weird pictures of me and, there we go. and stuff that I do. All right. And, and, and my taco truck. What's your taco truck? <laughs> so I, I bought that new truck, the Tacoma, and uh, and people oh. have taught me on on Instagram that 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 they refer to it as a taco truck over here. Oh. So <laughs> I have a taco truck. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought you'd got a side venture of selling tacos. I wish, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you want to find me, it's Daniel and Scott Farron, the one on Instagram. Oh, for the business horns voting. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Helps people know whether they want to listen to us before checking out their first episode, I guess. Um, if you want to support us a little bit further, Patreon's brilliant. You get bonus episode every week. Uh, one week we'll do a story time episode where we go through a saga, and the other one we will watch an episode of Vikings and let you know what we think. Um, Mateus will let you know what's real, what's not real, what's good, what's not. Um, <laughs> so you can follow us on Instagram at Nordic Mythology Podcast, and the same on Facebook. I think that's about everything. Mm-hmm. Perfect. This is this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Right, Thank so you much. guys very much. Thank you guys. Okay. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you.